Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Rush, directed by Ron Howard and released in 2013. Rush is out in cinemas now, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to come back to this episode later. Um, For a little plot summary, Rush tells the story of the 1976 Formula One racing season and the rivalry between British driver James Hunt and Austrian Nicky Lauda, who was horribly injured partway through the season, but still managed to make a comeback. So this is um, not something we really initially thought we'd go and see, right? I don't know. I mean, I was sort of interested in it. The trailer for it was really, really good. I thought the trailer, and we saw it like 60 times in front of different movies, but I thought the trailer was good. So I was kind of interested in it from then. Yeah, I had never heard of it until I saw it on Top Gear. Oh, I heard of it a while ago. It was in Empire Magazine. They had the photo of yeah. of Chris Hemsworth with the two girls um, at, at one of the races, and, and I saw a little article mm. about it. That was like a year ago. Yeah, I saw Ron Howard went on Top Gear. And I'm a Top Gear fan. I'm not really a car fan, but I am a Top Gear fan. And um, I saw it and I was like, oh, I think I have to watch that. I'd heard of Nicky Ladder. I'd never heard of James Hunt and I didn't know anything about this season. So it was a little bit of a surprise for me as to how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, there was this point. It was about half an hour into the movie when I sort of just suddenly realized that I really liked this movie. Like this movie completely had my attention and I was totally engaged in it. Usually when I go to a movie, I sit there and I think about 60 other things while the movie is going on. Mm. And in this one, I wasn't thinking about other things at all. I was completely sort of taken along with the story and what was going on and the characters and their interactions and everything. So I was genuinely really surprised at how much I loved this movie. Yeah, that was um, one of the key, one of the big things for me is how incredibly well it just hold it holds your attention it keeps mm. the tension up it keeps you interested and it just ke- yeah it keeps really rolling along and you kind of feel on the edge of your seat until you know- and I didn't know what the result was going to be I didn't know who was going to win yeah. the world championship so I just was like <sighs> holding on the edge of my seat until that happened and it- all the way to the end I was just really excited I, sc- I sat through the credits because I was like, wow, that was really good. I want to see all these people who worked on this. Yeah, I always try and sit through yeah, the credits for everything. Um, but when I was watching the credits, actually, my friend who I went with was like, I wonder how many of those drivers are the Stig. Uh, I didn't see the Stig's name in there. Or not the Stig that we Stig's that we know. Oh, they're all the Stig. They just change them every week. Um, uh, I know. I, I don't know. I know. Don't know I totally to wondered that. the same thing. Except I, I could. They all scrolled past too quickly, and then I couldn't find them on IMDb. Although mm. I did find something that I have put in the show notes, um, written by one of the stunt drivers. Um, I can't remember his. Oh, yeah, I don't have his name right here. Off, off the top well, of my head. um. I at one point there was a line from um so the, they they've got we've got Chris Hemsworth plays James Hunt mm-hmm. who was like this sort of playboy kind of uh womanizing driver who whose interest in driving was really passionate like he really loved you know the the adrenaline and the speed and and all that sort of thing and then you've got Nicky Lauda who sort of v- viewed driving as like a business thing uh, he just knew he was really good at driving and knew how to set up cars really well. And then he decided to do it because he thought he would make the most money off doing that. Mm. And that's kind of the heart of the whole story. Right. And um, it w- it's an interesting one to watch because I think there's – sometimes we tend to romanticize sport in particular from the 1970s as being a time 
when it was a bit more leisurely, when people would smoke a cigarette and drink half a bottle of wine and then go out and score 100 runs in the cricket or play a game of tennis. And it was a really interesting, I guess, time when there was still that gentleman amateur aspect of sport. And and both of these racing drivers – were actually from wealthy families, yeah. and that was sort of probably how they got into it. Well, and then, yeah, and then that coming up against the new professionalism in the sport, which is sort of Nicky Lauder's way of approaching things. Yeah, because Nicky Lauder mm. then rejects his family's money because, or he, they don't offer him the money to yeah, be driving. Yeah, they they don't want to support him. Yeah, and, and neither it turns uh, neither in the reading that I've done did James Hunt's family. No, well, that would make sense because then yeah. he, he goes this- to this guy. The millionaire guy, the, who, the aristocrat, yeah, who was one of my favorite characters in the thing. He cracked me up, but um, and I can't remember his name or the actor's name, but he had this line that was, uh, "Men love women, but even more than that, men love cars." Yeah, and at that point, I was like, "Was this written by the guys from Top Gear?" So at some points, it did, and and the guys, and there's nothing like the guys from Top Gear for romanticizing the James Hunt era. I think one of the photos that they showed from the movie is that famous one that we're seeing everywhere of that he's actually a real James Hunt photo that was recreated by Chris Hemsworth. Mm. He's got his arm around two different women, a glass of champagne in one hand, cigarette in the other. And I think he's – I don't know what else is going on, but it's just – it's the absolute pinnacle of 70s debauchery. Yeah. And And the thing is, uh, the the sort of – one of the reasons that the movie is so good and so engaging is both of the leads are amazing. Um, mm. Daniel Brühl does a really, really good job as sort of like the prickly kind of has absolutely no social skills, Nicky Lauder, like terrible social skills. He just so pisses off everybody funny. that he meets. And he is. He's really funny and in- yeah. and interesting. And you like him anyway, even though he's a jerk. Yeah. But then um, I was more surprised by Chris Hemsworth, who I kind of thought could act, but hasn't really shown it mm. yet. And I think this is kind of his time to show that because he is so good in this movie. Absolutely. And Nicky Lauda, uh, sorry, Nicky Lauda, whoops, Daniel Brühl is the one who's getting all the accolades for this performance. That because doesn't he, surprise me. Well, because he is so like Nicky Lauda. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna li- there's a couple of links in the show notes, one to an interview with Daniel Brühl and one to an interview with Nicky Lauda. And you can see how how alike he is. Yeah. And, um, but well, the you, casting was really good. I mean, they just look just like these guys. They do. And, but Daniel Brühl also tells this fantastic story about he actually had a lot of access to Nicky Lauda, which is sadly, mm. um, you wouldn't be able to have to James Hunt because he died young. But, uh, so he got in contact with Nicky Lauda and Nicky Lauda said, Oh, come visit me in Vienna, but only bring hand luggage in case I don't like you and need to go home again. <laughs> that sounds and about that's right. Exactly, exactly what he was like. So yeah. he, he was actually, he was able to get really good access to the real guy. And so he does yeah. this amazing thing. And, um, and of course he's getting absolutely deserved all the accolades, but Chris Hemsworth is equally yeah, brilliant. It, I don't think part. it would work if they weren't equally mm. matched and they are very much equally matched. And Chris Hemsworth really sort of in, in some things where maybe he hasn't been challenged in those ways before, there's some very dramatic moments in this one. Mm. And, uh, and also he has to sort of present this guy who does a lot of really douchey things <laughs> as being sympathetic and you do feel for him. Yes. And he's just, and he's pretty, but he's also really good in it. And and you get to see Chris Hemsworth's butt in this movie. Yes. For anybody wondering. Mm. <laughs> if, yeah, in case you're interested, also Natalie Dormer's boobs, but you've probably seen them elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah. He, I just think, like, I, I sort of knew going in that Daniel Brühl would be good. Mm. I've seen him be good before. And yes. I have. I had this sort of, I like Chris Hemsworth and I've liked him in a lot of things. And I had this feeling that he could sort of rise to the occasion, but I haven't seen him given the opportunity to do that yet. Even though he's in a lot of movies that I really like, he doesn't tend to get 
you know, the really interesting parts or anything a lot of the time because he's is, so pretty and tall and mm, This blonde. is a real breakout for him. And, and I I don't know that he's getting all the accolades because, of course, Daniel Brühl had to do that classic thing of uglying up yeah. for um for Hollywood. He, had to use, he has fake teeth and an accent and stuff. An accent in two different languages too, by the way. Mm. Well done. But but then Chris Hemsworth has an accent too, but he's not. he doesn't have to ugly up. What he has to do is present someone who is incredibly charismatic but also incredibly self-destructive and kind yeah. of stupid. And he does that really well. He walks this fantastic line with this character who is every bit as interesting and difficult as the other guy. Yeah. And they're both likable. The grumpy, logical, borderline autistic German, uh, sorry, Austrian. You know who they are, which I've only just figured out. They're Kirk and Spock. Yes. <laughs> they totally are. <laughs> they are. Because Nicky Lauder's with his whole logical, you know, everything can be yes. boiled down to how it works best. And then um, and then James Hunt is all, uh, you know, women and, and leaping in head first and, and driving for the adrenaline and everything. They're Working totally on Kirk instinct. and Spock. Yeah, they <laughs> absolutely are. I can't and, even... and Chris Hemsworth played Daddy Kirk too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, can't even... perfect. I can't believe we didn't think of this before now. Well, it wasn't until you started saying the logical thing that I was like, oh, my God, he's Spock. Yes. And, and James Hunt is Kirk, and it's perfect. And I like that the movie um, – it. I like how it built up to that point where they had this sort of respect for each other mm-hmm. and they got to a point where they could live with each other. Even if they weren't, like, best friends, they still were kind of, you know, rivals on the track and everything, but they got to a point of grudging respect for each other and, and yeah. st- that sort of thing, which is great. And I think that was interesting too is the relationship between them was kind of prickly but also respectful as it was mm. in real life because I – I don't think they dis- – I don't think they – as far as I can tell from what Nikki Lauda says, they didn't seem to dislike one another in real life. It was a genuine rivalry. Well, they seem to – what I get from the movie is that at first they didn't like each other and then – or at least James Hunt didn't like Nikki Lauda. Mm. And I don't think Nikki Lauda disliked James Hunt any more than he liked it, disliked anybody else. No. <laughs> from what <laughs> so I could tell. Funny. Like, he just sort of doesn't really like anybody. I mean, there's this line when he's about to marry his wife and he's like, uh, if it was going to be anybody, I suppose it had to be you. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> uh, but by the way, I wanted to single uh, that actress out for her performance. Well, Alexandra I- Maria Lara. That's correct. Alexandra Maria Lara for that performance as Malena Lauda because she is really good. She has... um. She has to do a lot without having lines. Mm. She's got a lot of reactions and reactions and sort of – and she does such an amazing job like of, as, as being this person who really does understand and love this guy and also understands his completely mad need to win and prove himself and do better and push himself. Mm. And it was amazing. And there's something else. Um, Olivia Wilde is in this movie as yes. well. She plays um, James Hunt's wife, Susie Sparkle? Susie Miller. Uh, I think they, they called her Susie Sparkle or something like oh, yeah, that, yeah, the, yeah. the model. She's a model. And yeah. she uh, – I'm really impressed that they made – they did that storyline without making her the bad guy, especially since the relationship ended the way it did mm. because it did end in sort of really, really murky kind of mm. circumstances. <laughs> um, and – she and it, it's implied that he was cheating on her a lot, but then she ends up cheating on him with somebody very famous, famous bad boy. Yeah, and mm. so it's like it, I I really applaud the movie for not doing what I think most movies might do and making her into like just a you know a, villain. a bad a villain. Yeah, yeah. and indeed, and, and it 
shows you from the very beginning that him getting married was not the right thing. Those two getting married wasn't the right way to go. Right. That I think we had the idea she wanted to make it work, but that it just became too much. I think she even has a line about if it was just the drinking or just yeah. the drugs or just the women or just the death wish, I could cope with it. I don't think there's any drugs in it. Oh, she said something about the dope. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, it's all of those sorts of things. And, and, and it, but it is really nice that they don't just sort of make her into this harlot type, you no. know. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but you know, th- that, that they're, kind of archetype. Uh, they, and they're all, these are real people that they're, they're all playing and they have quite a lot of respect for the, that fact and yeah. that kind of. I mean, you can see there's other biopic movies where they have done that. Mm. where they haven't been so respectful to the real people. Yes. And I like that this doesn't really have bad guys. It just has has two interesting people who you like even though they do horrible things Mm. and you sort of root for them. But you don't – like. I love that I didn't know who I wanted to win. Yeah, you root for both of them. I would have been equally happy for either of them to win. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if Nicky Lauder had won, it would have been this fairy tale story, but – we also like James so much and the interesting see thing, where he's brought how he's come from himself and yeah. how he really does need this. But the other interesting thing is that uh, when uh, what happens to Nicky Lauda instead of winning, this is spoilers, turn back if you haven't seen it, the way that he loses is actually a win for him because mm-hmm. it's character growth. Correct. Like it's really impressive because it's that's the sort of logical culmination of his arc is that no, there are actually other things more important than winning, and one of them mm. is continuing to have a good life with my wife. Yeah, and that's like that's his win. Yeah, because James knows that all along. Like he he's exactly. always been willing to pull it, pull out, but not. Well, no, no, nothing. I don't think that's right. James was actually never well, willing to pull out. James but he, was no, sorry, he was always driven to win. But once he did win. That was all he needed. He wasn't ever trying to get better. But he was doing it for living, like for the rush and for, Mm. you know, so that he could go out and spend the money and and live a life. And he doesn't really, like, he doesn't have the same kind of learning journey that Nicky Lauda goes on in this movie. Whereas Nicky Lauda starts out and he's like, oh, 20% um, is the acceptable risk level. Yes. And he won't go above that. And then, but they still talked him into driving in the rain and that's how the accident happened. But then I think... Um, there was that point at the end of the movie where it's not just like his life that he's thinking of. It's sort of a other people matter sort of yeah. message where up until that point, I mean, he was really quite self-driven and yeah. self-centered and things. And yeah. I think that's why it's the win for him. Mm. And they do that in a particularly good way, I think. And it takes me into the next thing, the thing I want to talk about, which is the way this movie is shot, which is absolutely magnificent. God, it's pretty. So uh, just finishing Nikki Lauda's story, what they do is the last race is held in driving rain and fog and incredibly dangerous conditions. And if you or I were driving a car in it, we would be terrified and not be able to see properly. Mm. And these guys are the same. So Nikki goes out. He's only a couple of races back from having been horribly burned and injured and is probably still in – some kind of pain. And what it shows is we see it from his point of view, from the car's point of view, we see him not being able to see. And then suddenly when he realizes that he needs to pull out of the race, his vision becomes clear that's and he sees his way around. Is that the one in the yeah. – oh, that's his first race back, Yeah, that's it? his first race yeah. back. Okay, so I'm slightly wrong there, but the point stands, which is that he 
you, you start out not being able to see properly and then you see the way his brain works is that when his focus engages mm. with the racing and his goal, suddenly the road becomes clear and the rain and the fog and the other drivers don't matter and he can see his way through them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the race when he comes back, and then the, the race after that, or a couple of races later, I think. Yeah, or something yeah like that. I think it's the Tokyo one, not right. Tokyo, Japan one, where it's mm. pouring rain, and and that's the final, and race. and that's the final of race. The season. He decides How, to. Yeah. Anyway, the races are. So, I mean, the whole thing is beautifully shot. The race scenes are magnificent. Okay, with the race scenes, the thing that gets me is that they didn't show the whole thing, which I was really grateful for. Yeah. They showed the important stuff. It's not a sports movie in that sense. Like you don't, you're not sitting there to watch cars race. You're sitting there to see the results of what goes on between these guys. Yeah, and they mm. show a lot of the racing cars so oh, yeah. that you can get the impression of why they do it and what's exciting about it, and, and that's really good. It is. Yeah, exactly. But and they do it really well. But he, um, Ron Howard, who is the director, he also he does it in a way that it doesn't overpower the movie, yeah. and you, you don't lose attention by watching too much racing. Yeah, well, and I think it helps that Ron Howard himself is not a Formula One fan. He's mm. making this movie because he thinks the story of these two men is interesting. Yeah, he's not making this movie because he wants to. And you know what's funny, though? He's made one of the best car movies going around. And if you are a car fan, stop this podcast now and go and watch it because you will love it. But if, if you're not a car fan, it's still, like us, it's still an amazing movie mm. with these incredibly shot race scenes. There's cameras everywhere on the front of the car, on the back of the car, behind, in front, on the helmets. I, I don't even know how they shot half of it, although I, I do have um, – have some links in the show notes to some stuff written by some of the stunt drivers about where the cameras were positioned and you can have a have a look at some pictures there but it is incredible the way you really you feel like you're in the car you can feel the danger you can feel the turns you can feel the gaps you can feel the rain the heat and the you sound even, editing is part of that oh, too. It's, it's, ma- really it's good. amazing and there's some bits where you actually see the pistons and the engine going and yeah and the bolts holding the cars together and, and it's not just to look pretty, that actually gives you an idea of what it's like to be in a, mm. a, a, a in a Formula One car. And Formula One cars are dangerous now, but they were seriously dangerous back then. I mean, this mm. is in in the seventies where they really are just wheels and a little bit of a chassis bolted onto an engine with a honest to god living person inside it, a yeah. bomb on wheels. I think Chris Hemsworth describes it as a, a Chris, well. That's as the, one point. Yeah, when when they have to make the car narrower because it's slightly too wide for the yeah. rules. Uh, which I kind of love the fact that there were all these things standing in their way of actually having a fair match, right mm. from the. So what? they they have one fair match at the beginning, and then it takes them ages to have another one. Yeah, it's really funny though that that all of this happened. This mm. was a real story. They didn't I know, have to make that why up. It's great. It works so well. All these little things. Of, yeah. Um, when you were talking about the way it's shot as well, there are two scenes that really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. In uh, because most of the time, Nikki Lauda and and James Hunt aren't together. You yes. only see them sort of talking to each other a few times. Most of the time, they're separate. And there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. One of them was when James Hunt didn't have a car to drive, like he didn't have a sponsorship. Yes. And he's looking for, what do they call it? The drive? I don't have a, a drive. drive. Yep. And there's a record that they keep showing spinning without the the w- needle. needle in it. And it's just, you know, it's obviously a visual metaphor for him not having a drive. So it's just going round and round with no point. Mm. But it's it's just a really clever sort of way of doing it. And it's not overly obvious. It's not way in your face. 
but it's it's a nice little visual metaphor to remind you of what's going on in his life. And mm. then later there's this scene where Nikki is talking to his wife and he says, when you're happy, you've already lost. Happiness mm. is the enemy because then you get distracted. Yes. And during that scene, uh, there's a fire outside and it reflects in the glass against his face. Oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I was like, oh, my God. It's just so – and it's not overt for people maybe who aren't looking for it, but it's there if you want to see it. Yeah, I guess. There's a little bit of like, foreshadowing. Exactly, and, and there's yeah. all these little visual metaphors to it, and I just thought those two were kind of – like two moments where I was just like, God, this movie is so good. Mm. I really liked those bits. Yes. Uh, so and clever. then the thing that I didn't like quite so much was um, they really, really show you what Nikki Lauda went through with his medical mm. stuff after the crash. And that kind of – I understand why they did it. Yeah. But it's really nasty. It is pretty nasty. I I was covering my eyes, looking away yeah. from the screen. And when they did such a good job of not showing everything with the racing, and I think we probably still could have got the same sort of message without quite so much of the, like, peeling scars and lung vacuuming and stuff. Oh, no, stuff. I thought that was great. I no, know, I, I, I was like horrified that. by it, but I knew I know exactly why that was there. This yeah, is- I understood why it was there, but, like, I just... Bleh. Like, this kind of recovery is just... I mean, it was nothing short of miraculous, but of course, Nicky Lauda would not let you say miraculous because <laughs> it was his sheer determination not to keep losing races to this guy while he was in hospital that got him back up and into the thing. So I, I think it was important that you saw how just physically difficult yeah. it was just to get his helmet on and I, and some of the See, horrible that film, lung that vacuuming. that scene didn't bother me as much. The, the scene putting the helmet lung, on lung was more important. Me. The lung vacuuming and also the bits where it was, they were like peeling the skin off his face yes. oh, yeah. and they stayed on it for like nearly a minute and I was oh, just okay. like, I, I, I understand that this is happening but like yeah. I didn't sign on for this when I came to this movie. No, I didn't. I don't know, it just really, really – and I I normally don't mind that sort of thing actually that much, and it really bothered me. Yeah. Um. The other thing I didn't like so much was I felt like the pace kind of fell off after their last race. Yeah. There's this montage of all the things that James Hunt is doing, and then you see Nicky Lauder again, and they have their conversation, which was really important. But it goes on, I thought, a little bit too long after that. Mm. Even, even actually, the Tokyo. I mean, I keep calling it Tokyo. It wasn't in Tokyo, but the Japan race, the yep. final race. It kind of fell off the pace after Nicky Lauder had his return race. Right. Yes. For that me. was probably – the return race was the, the big one. But, of course, then there was I, – I was quite excited all the way to the end of the championship because I didn't know who won. So I was yeah. kind of like holding on. I, after that, for me, maybe a little bit it dropped off. But, of course, because it's a biopic, you sort of do have to follow their stories a little bit and close it yeah. the loop I, for the audience. The, the conversation they had was like that was what very the important. film was building to. That was a really important part. Yep. I just felt like it went on a bit – too long mm-hmm. and it could have cut its losses and just told us in the because it tells us you know with one of those card flash card things or something oh no it doesn't he tells you what happened yeah Nick, doesn't uh, he Nikki louder tells you what happened yeah it's, it's um it's meant to sound like Nikki is um is narrating it and there are actually people who apparently thought it really was Nikki louder this is how good Daniel Brawl's performance yeah. is in this thing there were people who knew Nicky Lauder in racing and they thought he'd actually done the voiceover yeah. for it. But, yeah, you know, he, he tells you instead there's no closing card or anything like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember he just, now. He does go on a little bit like, and it really implies what could be told fairly simply, which is that James, he'd done what he set out to achieve and he'd had enough of racing and 
he never really was able to get whatever demons he had in regards to living fast under control and it meant that he died quite young as a yeah. result. But he tells you that. Yeah, he tells and you the that. the stuff that is shown after that is just – it's quite a while of James Hunt with, you know, lots of women and lots of booze and lots yeah. of TV shows and, and – it's not even that long, but it made it. It actually lost mm. a lot of uh, my goodwill. Oh, okay. just during yeah. that part because I was like, "Okay, the movie's finished. Let's go." Oh, okay, I was. I didn't. Uh, didn't get too bothered by that. The, those again, were the only things that sort of mm. like that I didn't like so much about it because everything up until that moment, I was so engaged with it mm. that because I wasn't so engaged with it at that point, I guess it was like, oh, well, that's kind of disappointing. If it had held my attention right to the end, it would probably be like my first five-star movie of the year, but it didn't. Yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to give it five stars just because I, I feel like I should save the five stars for the really cool things. Mm. And also, I think we saw Stoker this year, and I, I don't know if I like that more or this more. I probably like that just a little bit more, but I'd, I'm probably going to rate them about the same, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I liked Stoker more too because it's more up my alley, but this was so, so, so good fun. and it's so well made. And it's like it, it also doesn't have a lot of the kind of preachiness that Ron Howard has had yeah. a bit lately. Oh, yeah, no, none of that. Um, Or not just lately, actually, through his whole yeah. career, <laughs> no. Ron Howard has had some kind of preachiness in his films. Uh, but well, this th- one. There's, there's a message there, but it's not. It's not. But it isn't a preachy you. message no. either. It's like a really sort of straightforward, simple message that isn't. Yeah. Uh, it isn't quite as you don't you don't get sentimental, beaten over the head with it. And it was actually it's actually made for not a great deal of money. Like really, the budget was around forty million dollars, which sounds like heaps to us, but it, it's actually not that much money for a big blockbuster. And they did a lot of that was basically all shot in the UK, except I think they had like seven shooting days at the Nurburgring, mm. which is the where the crash happened. I didn't even I didn't um. I didn't realize that. I knew it was a famous racing circuit. I didn't realize that, that this famous crash happened there. Yeah, so they had a. I think they had initially they had two days to shoot there, and then they went back for pickups later on. But none of it, almost none of it, was shot at the circuit that it was shot at. Mm. But it all looked amazing, and, and and which is why I guess part of the not showing all the races, not overdoing it, they didn't actually have the money or the the capacity to do that. They probably they just didn't have enough drivers or tracks or time to shoot. Two, they had only had a limited amount of footage anyway, so they used it as best they could yeah. because they were a bit limited. For it. You're looking for something over there. What are you looking for? Yeah, no, I was just trying to see what else Ron Howard had directed so that I could support my preachiness thing. Okay. And I think I'm thinking of things like A Beautiful Mind and Cinderella Man and stuff like that. Oh, yep, yep. Um, but he's also directed more movies that I that I like than I thought he had, including Willow. Yeah, he's I didn't know he directed had Willow. had an incredible and long career of doing lots of cool different things. Yeah, yeah, he did Willow. And then, of course, there's the Ron And Frost Howard. Nixon, but also the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Mm, yeah. And there's also the Ron Howard of um, of uh, Arrested Development, who's all silly and stuff like that. So he's he's certainly not – yeah, he does, he's got a whole range of things, really. And far and away. Far and away. I know, right? I did watch that in history class when I was at school doing American Actually, history. looking through this. There's probably more things you like than you don't. There was, there's that, but also I think Rush might be his best movie. Apollo 13 is pretty good. Apollo 13 is good, but it's... Backdraft, I like that. Yes, but I don't. I still don't think that those two are quite as accomplished as this one is, just in terms of, like, it's so well made. 
Yeah. Like it's so well put together and so interesting and so engaging for things that I didn't think I would be that interested in. Yeah. Uh, if you like for people who aren't that interested in racing, this movie is just fascinating mm. by itself. Yeah. Just as a portrait of two men. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm only I'm sort of marginally interested and in, marginally understand Formula One and I, I'm the same. I I would recommend it to people who don't like car racing I was just or thinking, sports or anything like that. It's not a sports movie in that sense either. I was just thinking about the scene where he, um, Nicky Lauda's in Italy and he meets his wife and then there's the two Italian men that, that pick him up on the side of the road. Oh, one of the best bits of the movie. <laughs> just, I was like, they're the happiest Italian men in the world right now. They were so excited when he was driving their car. Yeah, their Nonna's car. That was yeah, so funny. It's, it's, this terrible old car and, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. That was and really good. He's... Like Nicky Lauda, there's there's also a couple of press conferences and things, and he's so funny when he wants to be. Mm. Like he and he can be really engaging, and then just like, but so has no time for anybody. You know, it's just mm. really funny. He's he's an interesting guy. Yeah, uh, he is. He is really interesting. I I remember thinking through. It. I don't think his um, airline exists as Lauda Air anymore, or it's mm. he doesn't own it anymore. But I was thinking. If I was going to fly on an airline, I want to fly on this guy's airline. Like th- those planes aren't falling out of the sky if he's in charge. I know. Yeah, he's he's very uh, he's just really interesting and cool to sort of get to know through this movie. Mm. And uh, but which isn't to say that James Hunt wasn't also interesting. But he's I think he comes out of it looking a little bit worse for it. Well, I mean, there's a reason we we still know who Nicky Lauder is, and I yes. haven't heard of James Hunt. Well, James Hunt also died a while ago. Well, that, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But he yeah. sort of had this brief kind of burst of of fame, and then kind of, I think he was still famous when he was on. He was hosting he a TV show or a, something. Uh, a TV host later on, and and I've got a quote from his official Formula One biography. At first, James did not take it seriously. He drank two bottles of wine during his first broadcast, but he soon became a highly respected, articulate, and opinionated commentator. So yeah, he's, he he commentated races and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I just love that quote because he drank two bottles of wine during his first broadcast. <laughs> that sounds like the James Hunt we got to know in that yeah, movie. That does sound exactly uh, like him. So, but yeah, I I think Chris Hemsworth also did a really good job of portraying that guy who. And it's so hard not to be charmed by him yeah. as well because he's so charming in it. Mm. Um, even though you know he's a jerk, if he turns it on, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. With the blue eyes and stuff. And then Posh he accent. does something and you're like, oh, my God, why? Why are you such a jerk? So, yeah. yeah but then he, does some, then he does other things, like spoilers. At the end, there's some horrible oh, journalist the- <laughs> asks Nicky Lauder if his wife will still love him with his, you know, disfigured face. And Nicky Lauda swears at him and walks out of the press conference as you would, but James Hunt actually corners the journalist and beats him up afterwards. And mm. I, and it's classic James that we've gotten to know, but also it's this wonderful, like, yeah, he's got some backbone moment for the character. Well, it's not just that. It's not the backbone so much as the uh, he isn't – well, they're both kind of selfish men, I guess. Yeah. And that's a rare moment of unselfishness from him. Mm. It Well, yeah, it, it's a moment of – character and yeah and, I think and james nice. is sort of one of these men that the, the charismatic type of people who just catches people up in his wake yeah and then nikki isn't that at all no not even <laughs> and you can I, even just like you know when they have the big races and there's all these people outside outside james hunt's tent mm. uh like screaming girls and everything and you go to nikki louder's tent and there's just nobody there we're gonna go to ratings and close the show in a minute but you know what totally freaked me out was that James Hunt smokes like a chimney and he's mm. smoking around all that petrol. 
<laughs> and every time I saw it, it was just like watching someone smoke at a service station or something, like, and which is essentially what he's doing. He's smoking in the pits mm-hmm. constantly, and I'm just watching it go, something's going to get lit on fire. Actually, the things that I was interested in as well, mm. uh, apart from the costumes, which I wanted to mention, which are amazing. Oh, yes. The yes. first one that Olivia Wilde shows up in is incredible, and all of Chris Hemsworth's deep V-necks. Oh, some of them are just so stupid. He get, goes up to get an award, <laughs> and he's wearing what is allegedly a button-up shirt, but there's only about, I think, one or two buttons done up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I loved it. I loved it. It was oh, so great. So funny. Um, one of the things that Chris Hemsworth did so well is showing all of the nerves that James had mm. that nobody else seems to really pick up on. Like he's everybody just seems to buy into this idea that he's all you know cocky and everything, but he's constantly doing like he throws up before every mm. every race, and they're all like, "Oh, don't worry, that just means he's psyched," and it obviously doesn't. No, he's terrified. In real life, he used to sit in his car and he would shake so hard that the car would shake. Yeah, because he was so terrified. That's part of the weird contradiction of this character. He's driven to self destruction in every possible way that he can. Yeah. And racing cars is just another way of him to try and destroy himself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's – but that's – I think he – yeah, he does such a good job of showing that. Oh, yeah. And it's a very much one of those sort of show-don't-tell things because Nicky mm. is constantly telling people who he is by the way he talks and the way he acts mm. around them and everything. But James is kind of not showing anybody else who he is, apart mm. from maybe Susie is the only person who sort of gets to see that. Yeah. And, uh, and, you, see, and yeah. you just you see it in what he's doing, not what he's saying. Right. Because so, the rest of the team are just like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. Yeah, and exactly. And, which is, of course, why I probably end up getting into so much trouble is that he nobody did. They were just like, oh, that's how he is. He's so charismatic. It doesn't matter. That's just what he does. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I think that's one of the reasons why I think James is a – more thankless role than Nikki because Nikki, in terms of acting, is a showier role. Right, yes, absolutely. Like, because he isn't showy, but also because there's all that stuff where he's just telling you all the time what he's like and mm. and you can see it all the time in what he's doing, whereas James has only moments of that kind of vulnerability, but most of the time is just kind of that cocky thing N- that you expect him to be able to do. character journey is also a lot easier. Mm. It's quite contained. There is quite a clear... He doesn't have any time for other people journey all the way through to know, well, actually, there is time for other people and there is a reason to cultivate relationships. Mm. Yeah. And and that's a that's a much clearer journey. And, yeah, you're right, showier is easier in many ways role. Not, which isn't to – I, I, I yeah. think they're both equally good. I liked both yeah. of them. I just want to – I feel like I want to support Chris Hemsworth a little bit more because I think people are ignoring him. Right. In favour of because Daniel Wool did such a good impersonation mm. and it is such a prickly role and I think I think people are ignoring just how good Chris Hemsworth is in this. Absolutely. Uh, which is the same thing I got when I watched Brokeback Mountain and everybody was – praising Heath Ledger and I'm like but Jake Gyllenhaal did such a good job in this yeah. movie but he's because he's the sort of was the less showy role. it was the less showy yeah. role he was a heartthrob and everybody expected something of him and he did that mm. then people just sort of went oh well you know it's not that interesting whereas it was I thought he did a really good job and again in this Chris Hemsworth is really really good and he's just as good as Daniel Brühl is yeah, yeah, F- fantastic film. So your ratings? My rating for Rush was four and a half stars out of five. Yeah, I'm also giving it four and a half out of five. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to know more about this, and there are a whole bunch of show notes this week because I went on a bit of a YouTube binge of racing videos yesterday. I feel like I haven't even talked about half the stuff that was interesting to me in this movie. And we've already finished the podcast. Yeah, it's amazing. It's when we're over 30 minutes. So if you want to um, read any of our show notes and look at Mel's collection of 
1970s racing videos, you can go to our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Rush or any other movies that she sees, you can do that on her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Um, I'm watching at the, oh sorry, I'm watching at the moment all of the Fast and the Furious movies and reviewing them all. So if you're interested in my take on the Fast and the Furious movies, then go check it out. I'm up to I'm writing the review for four at the moment. And then I've got three more to watch after that. You are using your school holidays well. I know. Mm. I'm very productive. Yes, you are. If you want to get in touch with us otherwise, you can uh, come and find us on our Facebook page or you can follow us on Twitter, which is at screen underscore queens. And as of a couple of weeks ago, we now have a Tumblr where we hang out and do slightly nerdier things and occasionally post some outtakes and things like that. It is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night.